welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 280. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing pretty good. All right. This week, we'll be talking about the movie everyone else is talking about with Ryan Coogler's Black Panther, along with some of what we're watching on the watch list and previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I think we'll uh, we'll just dive right in. We'll just dive right into this Black Panther business. What do you say? Yeah, let's not pussyfoot. Just we're not gonna to this this podcast. We're not gonna be pussy, pussyfooting around on this podcast here. Uh, Black Panther, written and directed by Ryan Coogler, has some other writing credits too, including Joe Robert Cole. I uh, have a synopsis here. Chikala. The king of Wakanda rises to the throne in an, in the isolated, technologically advanced African nation, but his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider who was a childhood victim of Chikala's father's mistake. Uh, this stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Denai Guria, Martin Freeman's in there, Daniel Kalula's in there. Uh, Letitia Wright's in there. Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis. <laughs> Just keep naming them all. Let's go through the whole list real quick. <laughs> Should I go through all like the tertiary characters and the the guest spots and all of that? So I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's a s- spoiler to talk about any guest spots. I don't know. Uh, e- either way, let's let's get into it. Kevin, what'd you think of Black Panther? Uh. I quite enjoyed Black Panther. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it was, as far as Marvel movies go, uh, I would say probably the one that I enjoyed the most. And <clears throat> I think for the most part, it didn't feel as much uh, like movies, which has always been kind of my issue with the Marvel films is where they, they all seem to have this template Mm -hmm. they they go by um this one i don't think it really utilized that too much which i found refreshing and it seems like and i don't know if maybe they took care of some of this with because where did black panther first show up was it um, civil war civil war okay yeah so i don't know if like maybe they 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 handled some aspects of black panther and civil war but this it didn't feel like they got trapped in the whole like origin story no that's thing. yeah and that that's one thing that marvel started doing with with civil war they introduced they brought spider-man into the to, to the marvel studios universe and then they brought in black panther and these are two two brand new characters uh within this universe and in in civil war they they didn't do the origin story i mean they with with black panthers as a character they sort of explained enough they they gave enough exposition so that we could know who he is and you know his where he came from and j- just a character introduction but they didn't they didn't bother with any of that crazy origin stuff and they didn't do it with spider-man either thankfully cuz they figured we all know that you know we've seen that origin story a million times over by now but uh, to your point about the sort of the Marvel template, I, I kind of disagree with you on that in that I, I did sort of feel the template in this movie. It didn't bother me, though. I didn't I didn't feel like, oh, here we go. Here's another one. Just copy and pasted. But yeah. 
But, you know, th- this is still kind of a hero's journey type of movie. And I, I feel like they've been, Marvel's been sort of pulling back from that template, or at least trying to, uh, with some of their, their more recent movies. I would think that, I thought Doctor Strange pulled away from it a little bit, and certainly Thor Ragnarok, um, I thought, pulled pulled away from that. Um, Thor Ragnarok was more akin to the Guardians of the Galaxy style, where it was more this kind of space opera than your traditional superhero movie. And I thought that Black Panther did a lot of interesting things to sort of um, try to circumvent the, the, the superhero cliche as well. Which, I mean, this one also to me just seems far more complex yeah, I mean, th- this and, there's certainly a lot of world building in this, which was really well done. Yeah, I mean, the, the, right off the bat, the two um, the two biggest pluses for me are the costuming is incredible. Oh my god! Just the overall Holy production shit. design. Yeah, like like her laboratory or whatever. Just yeah. like everything that goes into those two aspects alone. I think make it worthwhile. Absolutely. I mean, this is like award worthy stuff here. I mean, the costumes alone are just incredible. Like I I was blown away by some of the costuming in this. And then that's not even something that I usually pay mind to very much. You know, in, in a lot of movies, I don't really pay attention to the costuming, but in this, yeah, holy shit. Incredible. And yes, the, the production design, too, is holy crap. And there's just this. I like how they have the... <clears throat> I mean, the first thing that hooked me was I loved the, the introduction, like the little animation style, the way that they did all that and kind of give you like a brief history, like, a, you know, the explanation of the, 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 the tribes and everything. And, and then to have to take the costuming into the tribes and make them distinct... Like you, you could just tell by looking at them that right. we have these distinct tribes that they're easily identifiable, which I thought did a lot of, I think, you know, for, for that, for the costuming there to do a lot of that work that you don't have to spend so much, you know, to kind of clear that up. Yeah. You just do it with the costume itself and kind of takes care of everything. Right, exactly. I loved how everything felt very, um, it felt very cultured in that everything, even the technology, even though this was very advanced technology, it seemed to still um, reflect their tradition and their culture. And I thought that that was a really cool um, detail that they added, like the, how everything like that, I thought one of the things that was really cool was like their little like map system, how it, it looked like sand, how it was like Mm -hmm. very grainy and it it almost had like a sand look to it. I'm sure that that was like vibranium granules or something that were being used, but just all these little tiny details that really, that really added to everything about the production. And I think, um, Another big aspect of this is you have a thoroughly interesting, captivating uh, villain. Right, yeah. That that was definitely one of the points that I was going to touch on. 
I've noticed that in in Marvel movies, the anytime they get a a human villain or or at least a human shaped villain, like uh, for instance, <laughs> Kate, like Kate Blanchett in in Thor Ragnarok was not she wasn't human, but she was human humanoid. You know, <laughs> like she wasn't yeah. this giant CG robot or monster. And I find that those those villains are way more captivating. And also, w- whenever you have a villain that you can understand where they're coming from, like they're not just some random psychopath. I mean, sometimes that's fun too, but I think that it's way more engaging when you have someone where you, you can kind of see their plight. You know, you can yeah. see where oh. they're coming from. And I think that's one of the big things here. When You know, I kind of touched on earlier saying that it's, it's pretty complex is where with Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger, there were a lot of times where, you know, he's kind of going through either his plan or, you know, his feelings and what drove him to this and that. And you're just kind of, or at least I was, you know, thinking like, yeah, he makes a lot of good points. Yeah, of course. Uh, he, uh, maybe, maybe he's the hero of this. Which and that's what the big uh, juxtaposition is: how they have Black Panther, who is kind of have the Wakanda deeply rooted in their like their tradition, and they have to do things a certain way, and it's always been this way, and it's kind of the status quo that they're upholding. And then you have Killmonger, who is modern thinker and kind of. I don't want to say he's not really radical because he, I mean, he has some ideas, but they kind of undercut it by, cause he's essentially just kind of blinded by his vengeance and everything. Mm-hmm. So it kind of undercuts cause he has some good ideas. He has some good it's ideas, just, but at he the just same time, he what really, he's trying to do is. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like he didn't really think it through. Like he plots out his plan and like, this is what we're going to do. And not one of is like, okay, that's great and all, but what are we going to do afterwards? Yeah. Like there's no foresight to it. Like it's, it's an okay idea, but you want to have a, you want to have this planned out because it's not going to just work the way you want it to work. Staying on the the whole villain uh, discussion, I thought Andy Serkis was awesome as Claw. I thought that I he did a I thought he did a really great job. Yeah, I didn't know that was Andy Serkis. Really, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. I looked them up afterwards because I'm like, who is that guy? And then I then uh, also I'm trying to think if I've ever seen Andy Serkis just as a human person. Oh, I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have. It just maybe it just never registers, because I just think of him as this like CGI model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the uh, a lot of the movies that he's in doing motion capture work, it's it pretty much looks like him just in a different form, <laughs> like be it ape or you know golem or whatever he is. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was great in it. Um, Performances, me, performances across the board, I thought were were oh, pretty solid. I mean, oh, they were fantastic. I don't think there was really a weak link anywhere. And you actually got a couple of like breakthrough performances that from people that you know I haven't seen before, like Winston Duke 
as the uh, the leader of the I can't remember their tribe, but they're the ones exiled to the mountains. Yeah, like the gorilla tribe. Yeah, that guy I, I, was I can't great. The name, yeah, he was, was awesome, and he brought, he brought some comedy to it too. Yeah, and that, just, that was <laughs> another. Yeah, that was definitely another bullet point that I wanted to talk about. I mean, Marvel Marvel movies are known for keeping it keeping it lighter than the than the DC movies and they they like to inject some some comedy here and there and this is definitely one of the m- more serious of the Marvel movies but they certainly did bring in some some levity and i, I think that a lot of it worked oh, pretty thought, nicely yeah i thought it worked really well none of it felt really forced no no it all it all felt very natural and uh all pretty much all the jokes that came about landed for me um i thought that uh letitia wright was really funny in it oh yeah uh, she was great she as, was as the sister great. she was she was hilarious uh shuri was her character's name yeah, and she uh might have been the biggest breakout yeah she was you you may remember her from this season of black mirror she's she was in the uh black museum episode of black mirror uh, uh, she, didn't see she, that one yet. she she was great in that. Well, you have that to look forward to. Yeah, I do. She, she's she's pretty great in it. Um, and then of course, uh, uh, deny Guria. Oh my goodness! Good. When she does, my favorite, uh, probably like action piece of the whole movie is when she did her spear. Through the car, through the car, yeah, and flipped it. Oh man, you may—I'm sure that most of you know her as Michonne on The Walking Dead, and she's amazing in that show, and she's equally as amazing in this movie. She's such a badass, which leads me to talk about the the action sequences. Um, there, it, it's not—it's not overwrought with action sequences. But when they when they do occur, they're awesome. That that initial that car chase uh, towards towards the beginning was so awesome, and I I, I that car chase was just it on did, point I, for I, me. I did uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and again, I found that quite refreshing. In that there there aren't a lot of action sequences, like you said, but when it does kick into the action, it's quality stuff. Yeah, and it's it's not to say that there aren't a lot of action sequences. There's just not as many as what you might expect in a superhero movie. I mean, there's like a there's like an all out war at the end of this movie. So yeah, it, you you definitely for people looking for action, you get plenty of it, and it's really well choreographed, and it looks it looks awesome too. Um, I want to I want to get back to the visuals for a moment because um, really the visuals for me were just such a strong element of of this um just the use of of color uh these kind of bright vibrant like purples and everything just popped in this movie and it just looked so awesome i mean especially all the the scenes that were in wakanda you're just like holy shit like this is just gorgeous well and the 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 first shot that got me is like when the, the camera's behind T'Challa and he's like going through, you know, he's coming, walking down the spaceship and you just have the little, you know, rectangle opening of him mm-hmm. coming and you just kind of see the water. And then when he walks out and the kind of the 
camera goes up and you see everyone like on the cliff and yeah. the waterfalls. It's just that was incredible. Definitely, definitely some really strong visuals in this. Uh, a lot of the Marvel movies look good, uh, but this one I thought was was really up there. I mean, I thought that Ragnarok looked really great too, but this is this is definitely up there on that same level. Um, I, I wanted to give a shout out to the to the title card choices and the font choices in the in this movie. I know it's like a a stupid thing to to talk oh, yeah, about, like a, but no, I did. Oh yeah, I'm I saying I want to. I'm saying I want to oh, give a shout out was, to it because they were awesome. Fucking love the font. I I noticed that in in the Marvel movies they they started doing that more recently where they're getting sort of more more creative, more artistic with their title card uh, choices. Like when they when we switch locations and they, and they, you know, give us the location name or whatever. Um, they started being a little more creative than that. I mean, usually with action movies, you just see like the little, they might use some sort of high tech looking font down in the like lower left corner. And it'll say like Wakanda, you know, and then yeah. it'll go away. But they started doing these like sort of full frame, like bam, like this is where you are type thing. And I thought that I like with, what they do with that now. Yeah. The choice of the font here was pretty, I got pretty jazzed up the first time it showed up. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's, that's what like a good title card, uh, will do that for me. Like I'll get amped. Like it'll, it'll pump me up and it's especially like a good, like opening title card that I'll get really pumped up over that. Well, especially if you have like the, the title cards that'll just say, you know, either day of the week or the location mm-hmm. and it's really plain. There's a part of you that's just like, why? Yeah. Like, do I need to know it's Tuesday? Like, and exactly. if you're going to tell me it's Tuesday, could you pick something besides like Ariel Black? What the fuck? <laughs> Ariel Black. Uh, what do you think about the, the score? Uh, score is pretty great. Yeah, I thought there were there were some really I don't I don't really good. Much. <laughs> uh, there were a couple yeah. th- there were a couple tracks that I noticed that that stuck out to me. Um, that sounded really nice. Uh, some some of the stuff was average. I noticed there was that one. There was one song now that I'm kind of racking my brain. I think it was when they were coming back into the lab there was kind of a like a drum beat type style i'll have to look that up yeah they mixed um the score was kind of a an interesting mix of like african rhythms with like hip-hop beats and they that was one of the things like normally in a lot of these movies during the action sequences um they tend to use sort of generic action sounding score and they they did a little bit of that in this, but they mixed it up and they did some they played some more interesting musical choices. I was hoping to hear that "Run the Jewels" song that we heard in the trailer, but they didn't play it in the movie. Yeah, which was a bummer. I'd love to hear "Run the Jewels" on the big screen. So, who do you think's right, Killmonger or Black Panther? 
I saw, I didn't read it. I saw a headline that said something about Black Panther is Donald Trump and. Oh, geez, no. Like, I mean, there's. Killmonger is like the 99% or something. <laughs> no. I mean, there's. It is. It, I, this is what I love about the Black Panther storyline here, that what they're doing. And I think some of it is you have Kugler in a tough place where he's making a movie for Marvel. So you're making a movie for this big corporation, right? For big audiences. So you can't really be too radical with your ideas here. The, the, you know, the studio is not going to let that happen. So, but I think he, and I don't know how he did it, but I watched it where he has, he's almost made uh, two movies in a sense, or like two different thought where you have Black Panther is like the kind of traditional status quo, um, just looking out for their, for Wakanda. And then, you know, coming to the idea, okay, like we need to help some people out and outreach and all that stuff. And then you have Killmiger who has this just really radical ideas of like, we need to rise up and overthrow everyone. And, but you're able to have those two stay intact where I don't think he necessarily comes out on either side. Kugler does of saying like one is wrong and the other one's right. He kind of, it seems like he's backing both of them. Yeah. I think that there, I think that there's a middle ground. It's like you look at one side, like both sides are extremes, you know, whereas Wakanda they they want to stay isolated. They don't they don't want even though they have all the this great uh, technology that can help further the world. Like help it can help people in need, and it can help advance civilization as a whole. Uh, they they don't want to give it out. They want to just protect which, their own people. Is, but it is kind of odd because they do point out that they've you know they sent out all these spies all over the world. There's spies yeah. everywhere, yeah. and they interfere here and there where they see fit to try and, you know, make some small changes without bringing attention to Wakanda as a nation. But you do wonder, like, what did you guys really do? Not much. If the world still is in such a bad place, like what? And and it's interesting, too, that with Lupita Nyong'o's character, where she's essentially Killmonger, just smarter. Mm-hmm. And she's been doing it for years where she's kind of on her own trying to trying to make change. And they're like, they won't listen to her. And then, of course, Killmonger comes in for like two days. And they're like, holy shit, yeah, we have to. This is a great idea. This is something we need to do. And you think, like, Lupita Nyong'o's character has to be thinking like i've been fucking saying this for years yeah but she was doing it she was doing it in the shadows though like she wasn't getting on her soapbox in front of everyone and saying this is plus he he took the throne by force Uh, that's that might be a spoiler i don't think he didn't take it by force well yeah he had legit yeah but he sort of did i mean like no you just kicked the shit out of him and right he which force. is that was no well yeah but that's how you get the throne. I know that's their tradition man they made they made the rules I know Black Panther lost he got the shit kicked out of him anyway you have that extreme and then you have the other extreme which is 
you know, Killmonger's agenda where he wants to arm the people and he wants to cause uprisings and he wants to overthrow governments and and most likely, most certainly cause more death and destruction. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that you're looking for a middle ground in between that. You're you're looking for somewhere in the middle of that. And then the 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 other wrinkle to it that makes it even a little more complicated, which I I appreciated, is that Killmonger himself is like not only wow that's kind of a spoiler I don't know if I want to get into that but uh, there's one thing that's a spoiler and then the other thing that's not is where he is you know being American and you know what was he like a special ops type deal yeah where he yeah. served in iraq and afghanistan essentially comes in like the u.s and is a colonizer yeah and does the you know does everything that has been in the playbook for years yeah and that's what they said that's that's his specialty right his what he does for a living is infiltrates and overthrows these governments like he knows he knows the playbook he knows how to do it because he did it for us yeah which is really interesting and yeah. which really sets up, which is another thing that I really appreciate with black Panther is the way that it ends. And with all that being in the mix is I'm really looking forward to see what black Panther two does to see yeah. where they go from this. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that they'll, I'm sure that they'll further the story more in uh, the new Avengers movie, the Infinity War. I'm sure that they're going to be involved yeah. with that. And if you, in Civil War, um, if you, I, I know Kevin, you didn't see Civil War, but what happens in that, the thing that sort of sparks it is there's the uh, there's an event that takes place, and Wakanda is involved, and that's sort of what brings Wakanda into the into the uh, the limelight, so to speak, where yeah. they're the ones that are calling for this this um, these regulations that are going to be enacted on the superheroes, and they're the ones that sort of spark this bill that causes the civil war between the the heroes. So they they, they did get involved in that, and then you saw um, scenes from Civil War towards the beginning yeah. of um, of Black Panther 2 to, to sort of catch you up if you didn't see it. So it's not like you miss a whole lot if you if you didn't see Civil War. Okay. Yeah, it I mean, seemed like they did a good enough job that they lost. Right, yeah. Into, they they, they caught you up this with a, Yeah, without spending too much time on it, which was nice. Right, and it didn't feel like it was this kind of lame flashback thing either like they, they, i thought <laughs> it was spider-man i thought that they did it pretty pretty well catching it on his phone making his little movies i thought that was fine i actually rewatched that last night and I, I i still really enjoy that movie i enjoy it too i just cut iron man out of all of it <laughs> that's right I hope that's <laughs> i hope that's what infinity war is is killmonger and then we just have black panther movies from here on out uh i don't nice. I, I don't see that happening i, I, just, I mean iron man and hawk and 
all them guys, like they're done. It's just, well, let's move cer- forward. Certainly Iron Man will be retired soon. Like, God, I hope so. He's definitely going to be retired soon. There's just no way. Can you imagine if they just keep going with Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr., 82 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Man, they just do it all CG. You know what I mean? They can just make him look young again. Yeah, they can. <laughs> Get someone to like motion capture him. Yeah, they did it in, in Civil War. There's a scene where they made him... It was like this holographic thing or whatever, but they made him look, they made young that's Robert Downey gonna, Jr. in it. That's what they, that's what they're going to do. And they did it's it with, the they did it with Kurt Russell in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy volume two as well. See, they're looked, testing it out. They're it testing really, it out. I'll tell you in Guardians of the Galaxy, it looked really good. Like it, see? it looks so much like young Kurt Russell. They're, they're testing the waters. They want to see how people are reacting to it. And if people aren't, Oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. They're just they're gonna start implementing it more. It's like that what was that movie that came out a few years ago that was uh it was animated and it was starring um a Robin Wright as herself. And the whole movie was about how like in the future movie stars like sign away their likenesses and then the movies that they're in just use CG versions of them. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that that movie. I know exactly what you're talking about though, which is that that is going to happen. Yeah. I I think that'll definitely happen. It's ridiculous. Uh, I just want to say one thing. There's um, something that Killmonger says like towards the end of the film, which holy shit. Like that, that was impactful. What? What did like I wasn't exp- his uh, his kind of talking about um, jumping in the water, yeah, not being okay. held in bondage. Uh, I was not expecting that from a Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this 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 was a long time coming, right? I mean, th- there's a reason that this is doing so well at the box office these superhero movies are universally liked. Like there's, there's fans of all walks of life that enjoy these movies. And yet it's very clear that black audiences have been underrepresented in these movies for far too long. And I think that now is just such a perfect time to come out with a movie like this, that it's, it's not for black audiences. It's for, it's for everyone, but it, I think that a lot of black audiences can appreciate it just so much it's more. It's just a simple matter now, of representation. Right, exactly. Yeah, like you know now I mean? like, they, 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 they're finally represented in, in these movies. And it's not to say that there haven't been great, um, you know, black actors involved in, in these movies. You know, you have your, your war machines and your Falcons and all of, and, you know, all of these other great characters, but those have all been kind of tertiary characters and sort of the side characters. And to have a Marvel movie that is predominantly um, using black actors to, with a black director, it's I, th- I think it's a great thing. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it helps that the movie was awesome. Like <laughs> that, that was a yeah. It was helpful that the movie was actually really, really well done and entertaining and fun and uh, had had a good message to it as well. So I, I did see that there were some. Um, like some racists were trying to sort of dis, uh, disseminate false information about like white people being attacked at screenings mm-hmm. of this. I don't know yeah. if you saw any of that. Yeah. That's oh my ridiculous. god. It's such bullshit. I, I like. I hope no one actually fell for that. Oh, I'm sure some people did. Same people that watch Fox News and fall for that shit. Well, oh, fuck that. What they had before it even came out, there was like a campaign of I don't know. What, were they like uh, hitting up IMDb or was it Ron? I can't remember which one, but just, you know, just a deluge of bad reviews to kind of like, I guess, tank its score or what? I don't know. Yeah, tank the just, user yeah. score. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's uh, slightly ridiculous, but you know what? Looking at the box office numbers, it uh, doesn't look like it mattered because this crushed it. Uh, so over the weekend, it made $235 million. Yeah, that's about right. Number one movie of 2018 uh, by a large margin. The Just for comparison, the number two movie so far in 2018 is Fifty Shades Freed. And that only has seventy eight point six million. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it dist- and Fifty Shades Freed was, has been open for uh, yeah. s- several weeks now. So yeah, yeah, this movie absolutely crushed it. So yeah. I mean, it's just it, that's just one weekend too. So oh yeah, because yeah, people are going to see this multiple times, no doubt about Plus, it. Plus, so you know, is anything coming out next week? Or the week after, yeah. You know what I mean, if you're looking, if you didn't get a chance to see Black Panther this weekend, and you're going to the movies next weekend, Black Panther's probably going to be your choice. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I know that when I was looking for tickets for it, man, it was like every every time slot, every every showtime was booked, like almost full theaters every time. Small place in my town, uh, which we usually go to the first showing on a weekend so with the early bird and usually any film that we go to there's maybe one two other people in there but this time for black panther the shit was full yeah which uh this small town uh i was kind of surprised yeah it's great it though. <laughs> it's great it's it's great to hear that though i want to i want to just talking about like theaters and stuff and i know that any of our listeners I'm sure this does not apply to. But if you go see a movie in a theater that has reserved seating, just sit in your seat. Just sit in the seat that has been assigned to you or the the seat that you picked when you ordered your tickets. Because what a, what a nightmare this was. Like, we get to the theater, we sit down in our seats, everything's fine, we're waiting. But then there's like, for like 25, 30 minutes people are sitting in the wrong seats and then those people come in and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're in my seat. Then they have to get up and go through the whole row and then go sit in their seats. And then like this, this, uh, this group of, of maybe, I don't know, maybe early twenties, something dudes came in 
And they just, they sat wherever. Like, it was very clear that they just sat wherever. And then the people came in and made them move. And then rather than, like, sitting in their own assigned seats, they sat on the floor. Uh, (laughs) There's, like, the, you know, the the theater sort of split into two halves. There's, like, the upper half and the lower half. And then there's that sort of walkway in between. They sat on the floor, like, in that walkway. (laughs) And it's, like... Of course they did. Just sit in your assigned seat. Like, if you're not happy with it, then pick a different seat. Like, you know, go go talk, go to the manager and see if you can get a, a seat change. But why would you pick that seat to begin with? Like, yeah, it's so infuriating to me. Like, because, I mean, this is like, we're like deep into the trailers at this point, and this is still happening. Like they're they're shuffling around, people are arguing, people and like the, these people, they'll sit in the wrong seat, and then when the person comes and makes them move, they like throw a fit. They they like huff and puff about it. Like, <laughs> All right, let me just pick up my popcorn and my drink here and get my coat, and, and it's like, dude, you're sitting in the wrong seat anyway. Just get the fuck up. What the fuck? it's insane. Like they don't know, like they think that the seat assignments are a suggestion and they're just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to sit wherever I want. I mean, especially it'd be one thing if it was a small movie that very clearly wasn't going to have a lot of people in it. You know, if it had like six people in the theater or something, but this this is a big movie and it's very clear that this is a full theater. Anyway, that's my uh, seating rant for the week. I'm sure I'll bitch about it again in the f- in the future. Uh, let's go ahead and give Black Panther a score. Uh, what are you gonna give it out of ten, Kevin? I'm gonna I'm thinking an eight. I'm gonna go with yeah. I think I'm gonna go with an eight on this one as well. We have a review for this up on the site. Uh, Blake reviewed it for us. He gave it an eight and a half. So if you want to read a a good review, check that out. Let's move on. Talk about some of them watching on the watch list. Uh, Kevin, I think you're up this week. All right. I watched uh, Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye from 1973. Yeah, a little Altman action. Yeah. Elliot Gould playing uh, Detective Philip Marlowe. This is... uh, this is a slow mover. Takes its good old time. Just no. uh, a lot. <laughs> it sounds pretty typical Altman, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, thankfully, Elliot Gold is awesome in his role as Philip Marlowe. So, and much of it is just kind of like him. Like the first like fifteen minutes is just like him in his apartment with his cat, like trying to get the cat food. And in the process, it's 15 minutes of him trying to get the cat food. And within that, he smokes like eight cigarettes. It's ridiculous. Like if if you're a smoker like me, this movie is difficult because he literally smokes a cigarette constantly, just the entire time. He smokes literally like packs throughout the course of the movie. And I just wanted to smoke so much. Just kept wanting to hit pause and smoke a cigarette. And it's awesome because he has, uh, it was the old um, <clears throat> strike anywhere matches. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. guy's striking off of everything. <laughs> he walks into the grocery store just off the wall. 
just anywhere. It was kind of badass. Um, bit of a slow mover, like I said. It looks great though. There's there's some great cinematography in it. Um, there's a, a sequence in particular where the guy that or the woman that he's working for as a he's a private eye that he's working for her and her husband are kind of having this argument in their house and they live on the on the water in malibu and he's just he was asked to leave so he's just kind of hanging out by the the ocean just kind of hanging out until they're done and they keep shooting you know the the married couple having their argument and like he's reflected in their in their windows of just like hanging out and they do that. He does that for like five, ten minutes. And it's just, it's incredible. Hmm. So it's definitely worth a look. Uh, it Like the actual, at the center of this, I thought was very bizarre. Because <laughs> it never felt like it was a mystery or it was really of importance. But apparently it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But you kind of know right off the bat that you kind of have an idea of what's going on and then it just takes forever to get there. Hmm. But again, luckily Elliot Gould is, he makes it worthwhile. You know, it's, it's a bit of a slog, but you got him and you got the cinematography. So it works out pretty well. Nice. Yeah. I've, uh, I've always wanted to see this one. I just never got around to it. That's the long goodbye from 1973. I saw Mohawk. This is directed by Ted Geoghan. This one's under embargo, so I'm not really uh, able to talk about it just yet. Um, so I, I can't really say my thoughts on it, although it's this sort of revenge story about this young Mohawk woman who is going up against a squad of uh, American soldiers. And um, it's pretty interesting, but I'll talk more about it um, after the embargo lifts. But keep an eye out for it. It's called Mohawk, and it's uh, it opens March 2nd, and it'll be in um, select theaters and VOD as well. Maybe we can review it on the site, I don't know, on the show. Yeah. Because I, yeah. no, I don't think anything else comes out that weekend. Okay, yeah. There you go. I saw Phantom Thread. Oh. P.T. Anderson. Yeah. You see that shit? No, I didn't. I missed it. This fan thread shit? Nope, I missed it. This is a great example of a movie, right? That every aspect of it is just phenomenal. The acting, incredible cinematography, his direction, writing. Well, most of the writing. I like the, most of the dialogue. Jenna Greenwood's score. Like so much of it, the attention to detail, the the costuming, the production design, everything is just phenomenal. The actual story itself, I could give two shits about, and it's boring as fuck. And it's just super simplistic. And I just didn't care about it at all. But everything else is just amazing. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I was, what I was afraid of with that movie. Yeah. Well, and it's like, Halfway through, not even halfway through, I mean, with his first date, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Vicky Creeps, on their first date, you kind of get this inkling of like what their relationship's going to be. And 
and throughout you're i'm just sitting there like okay i i know what this is like it's pretty obvious what this is and then of course there's kind of like this this kind of a twist or reveal at the end and it's just like yeah we we already knew that like we like it's bizarre because he like he telegraphs it beforehand and i mean he just comes out and it's it's kind of sloppy in the way in which he does it where he comes out and just kind of makes it known what what's going on here and it's just like okay that's what i figured it was i mean it was pretty obvious now you just out out and out said it visually uh and then to still go through the reveal at the end or like the the twist reveal type deal at the end there it's just like uh, yeah you you already you already made that quite clear Mm -hmm. i don't know what you're really doing now it's just eh, just really simple it's just he reynolds woodcock is uh he's a baby he's a little kid and he misses his mom Mm -hmm. and he wants a mom this is this all it is and then she becomes mom and he's happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. It's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. Like, everything's great, but it's also 130 minutes. Like, I don't know if that story needs to be 130 minutes long. Yeah. I think it needs to be. All right. That's Phantom Thread. I saw... I rewatched Night of the Living Dead. I got the the Criterion blu-ray of this nice uh this is a fantastic blu-ray set normally i don't even talk about rewatches when we do the the watch list but this Mm -hmm. one this one i just felt the need to to talk about a little bit uh just because it's so good uh the i mean the the first disc it's a two disker so it's got two blu-rays and the first disc is the movie which they they did a 4k digital remaster so it looks Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and then they included a the 16 millimeter print of uh, a work print version of the movie back when it was still called Night of Anubis. And the work print has a bunch of stuff. It's not complete. The audio is missing in some parts. But what they did was they sort of um, they spliced in audio from like the master and so it it feels complete it doesn't look amazing you know like the like the remaster but it's still very watchable and it contains some it's edited slightly differently and then also there's a few scenes in it that the distributor made them cut from the the original one so there's some added sort of gory stuff in there uh, so it's very interesting, especially if you're into the Night of the Living Dead. And then the the second disc, which is just absolutely packed with bonus content. I mean, just there's like hours of bonus content, like documentaries, interviews, uh, so much stuff on this. Um, it's definitely the ultimate version of this film, which I'm very glad exists now because... Night of the Living Dead was in the public domain since it since it was released, and because of that, you have a about a billion DVD and Blu-ray versions of this movie. So it's nice that uh, 
somebody like Criterion Collection got a hold of it and decided to put it out like a proper version of it. Um, Now, this was actually still, this was being remastered while um, George Romero was still alive. So he was able to oversee the remaster as well. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's incredible. It's like one of the best Criterion releases I've seen in a while. So highly recommend picking it up. I can't remember if I talked about his girl Friday or not from 1940 Howard Hawks. I don't think so. Okay. This is Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell. Uh, so this is sold as like a, one of the best comedies in the history of cinema. It's just supposed to be amazing, right? And I normally like Cary Grant. I normally do. I find him enjoyable. I like him. Cary Grant and His Girl Friday, I fucking hate him. Mm. I hate him so much. I hate his performance. And I mean, it at least gets better. Like in the very, very beginning, he plays this newspaper man. You know, Rosalind Russell is his ex-wife. And she's coming by to be like, hey, I'm getting married. So leave me alone, I guess. I don't know. So he he just starts making moves and kind of setting things up to get her to stay and work for the paper. He's like the best journalist he's ever had, whatever. Uh, like in the beginning of the film, I just found him to be like extremely robotic. And, it, and you know, you have this, it's 1940, and you have the, the newspaper talk where it's just the, the super snappy dialogue where it's just constantly, you know, mile a minute, just rattling shit off. And he's doing it with this just like robotic, it, like there's no, there's nothing in his face and or his body language. It's just, he's just reciting words and it's just really awful. Now he does get better later on in the film. He starts, you know, loosening up a little bit, but again, it's one of those things where it's a shit ton of dialogue, it's super snappy. They just, and even worse yet, it's just, there's large chunks of this movie where there's like six or seven people talking at the same time just mile a minute hmm. and it's just so fucking insufferable i i couldn't i hated it i hated it so much hmm. i just couldn't stand it it's just not that's not my thing i mean on one hand there is a part of me that's like wow you this is really impressive that you guys are remembering all your lines and you're hitting everything like the timing of the lines and you have like four or five people speaking at the same time and you know they're filling the silences and everything and it's really impressive but at the same time it is not enjoyable in the least at least for me it's just not my cup of tea hmm that's unfortunate that's his girl friday yeah never saw that one uh don't think i'm going to now uh, that's all I have. I've been reviewing. I've I've been reviewing a lot of movies that we're going to be featuring on. <laughs> you our, can't talk about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on Film Pulse Selects that we have coming out. So I've been I've been watching a lot of shorts and stuff, getting okay. prepared to yeah. uh, launch that. So stay tuned. You're going to see a lot of uh, short films and things uh, popping up on the site as we uh, prepare to launch Film Pulse Selects. I'm looking probably March, beginning of March. I did rewatch the Florida project though. Um, I'll have, uh, we'll have, I, a- I, re- I rewatched like the past last, I think that was last night 
or the night before. What was it? Seven Psychopaths? Seven Psychopaths, which is that's on Amazon Prime right now. Nice. I was like, yeah, I remember that movie just fucking loving it and just thinking it was the funniest thing ever. It didn't hold up. It didn't hold up on a (laughs) rewatch? I mean, Sam Rockwell's great in it. And Christopher Walken is, you know, he's enjoyable, but (laughs) it didn't quite hold up. Well, I can tell you Florida Project definitely holds up, and I would... I still haven't seen it. You've seen it twice now. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be out on on uh, Tuesday, so... Nice. You can Finally. Get it on digital or whatever. Blu-ray. <laughs> Pick that shit up. The Blu-ray is okay. It's not, it's not great. It has a making of feature, featurette, which is decent, but... <laughs> oh, I also saw the... What was it? The trip to Spain. The oh, th- yeah. On that, I guess apparently they made that a trilogy for some reason. I thought, you know, whatever. Did you see, wait, wait, wait a minute? Did you see the other two? The yeah, first? I saw the other. Two. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, did you? Okay. <laughs> well, like I didn't really have an interest in seeing this third one. I didn't either. One of those. But... It's one of those things, though, that you're like, oh, Netflix Instant. You know, I want something sort of light. That I don't really have to pay attention to. You know, I just throw it on, and. uh Guess what? They do Michael Caine impressions. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing is, Again. yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like the trip, the, the trip movies have like an acquired taste to them, and I, I feel like there's a very specific audience for them, and I, and it's just not for everyone. Like those movies are just well, definitely not for and, everyone. And the funny thing is, is I I loved the first one, and I and I overall enjoyed the the second one. It's just, I think the third one is just like them doing Michael Caine impressions again for like 10 minutes straight. And I'm like, I get it. You guys do Michael Caine impressions. Like, holy shit. Like, there's no reason for this. And the funny thing is, is my wife, I guess, I don't know if it was the second one or the first one. My review on Letterboxd is like, I could watch these shits all the time. They're so great. I could watch every, you know, iteration of the trip. Just keep making them. But it turns out that I was wrong. I'm done at two. <laughs> I can watch two of them, and then I'm done. I enjoyed the trip to Spain. I, it's just more of the same. Like I, I didn't. Yeah. There, I, there were there were certain things like in the, the trip to Italy. There were certain bits and things that I thought were f- way funnier, like the Alanis Morissette thing. How they only had one CD to listen to the whole time, and it was the Alanis Morissette, and they just. Little things like that that I thought were much funnier yeah. in in the the, yeah, the second. To me, one. Spain didn't didn't really have too much of that. I think it, for whatever reason they tried to try to go a more serious route. Yeah, which don't don't do that. And then there was that whole bit of uh, Bryden doing the Roger Moore impression forever, mm-hmm. and it just wouldn't shut up. And that was awful. I hated it. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if we'll get any more of these. I hope not. I feel like we're just. Or if we do, I just. I really hope that I don't watch them. Although he did the tiny man in a box, which he, <laughs> he, he always has to do that, and every time it makes me laugh. I don't know why I find that that thing, that bit, to be so funny, but I really enjoy it. All right, anything else on your list? No, that's it. 
All right. Let's move on, talk about some new releases coming out in theaters this week. Got one that I'm pretty excited for, and I think you're pretty excited for it too, and that's Annihilation. Oh, yeah. Yep, Annihilation. Coming out is the new Alex Garland, based on the uh, very popular book series with, uh, with Natalie Portman. I really hope this is good. I'm really... I'm really hoping for the best for this one, but we'll we'll see. I I'm still gonna see it. Oh yeah. If, if anything, it'll be at least be it should be have pretty strong visuals in it. Um, we also have Game Night coming out. Game uh, Night. Game Night. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what happened to comedy? Like, what happened? I don't. I don't know. What was it? Is it a select? number of people that ruined comedy or is it just just an overall thing where comedy is dying I, 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 I don't know I don't know but even worse is like you this is going to be like maybe one of like three or four that we'll get out of the year yeah I mean at least you used to have this like this overabundance of comedies. Yeah, that's that, you know you at least had you know fifty percent of them didn't hit. You know another twenty five percent did hit. The other twenty five were like, eh. you know, but you at least had shots. Yeah, now, I, feel, I, I feel like you only get a handful of comedies every year now. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Either way, this one looks not good at all. I'm I have no, no interest. This is by the guys who did Horrible Bosses. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be good. This is this is one that I'll probably give a. I'll still watch. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'm not gonna go to the theater to see it, but I'll watch it when it comes out on streaming. Friday night, I'm gonna rent this shit on a Friday night. Get myself some pizza or subs. Yeah, and just fucking get myself a sixer. I mean, just just judging by the cast alone, it should be worth. Some laughs, you know. Jason, You're J- get Jason, a chuckle here and there. Yeah, Jason Bateman. He's always worth a few laughs. So, we'll we'll see about that one. And we also have Every Day, which is a. Uh, Please tell me it's Nicholas Sparks. It, no, it's not. It looks like a Nicholas Sparks. It's not. I know, but just, and I was like, man, they even have sparklers. Yeah, I love it. It's not. It's it is based on an on a book, uh, but it's it's written by David. Uh, Levithan. Okay. Hmm. It's about a a girl who falls in love with this guy who in, inhabits a different body every day. So every day he wakes up and he's in a different body. Hmm. And and that's what it is. And there we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Also coming out is. Um, one that I'm another one that I'm really excited for, and that's Mute. This is the uh, Duncan oh, Jones yeah. Duncan Jones one. This is gonna be on Netflix, so every, everybody that has Netflix is gonna be able to see this one. It's the one with uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Paul Rudd. Nice futuristic cyberpunk type world. Very I'm looking forward to next yeah. weekend between Annihilation and Mute. Gonna have a. Uh, we're going to have a major sci-fi weekend next weekend. I'm excited. Oh, my God. We're going to do so much sci-fi. We're going to overload. It's going to be sci-fi <laughs> overload. 
triple it up. Annihilation mutant every. <laughs> yeah. Triple threat. Um, or maybe we'll throw it. <laughs> uh, and then we have the young Carl Marx. We got Death House. We got The Cured. The Lodgers. These are all like horror movies. Uh, Curvature. You know, you you have like five, you have five comedies that come out every year, and then you have like twenty five hundred <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm glad for, but it's, I'd like to equal it out a little bit. Are We Not Cats? This is a it's a very bizarre sort of horror movie, body horror movie about people that have that uh, that uh, yeah. that illness where they yeah. eat their own hair. Nope. Not doing it. Not, not into yeah, I, I can't. I cannot watch that. I'm sorry. Not into it hair. sounds interesting, and I've actually heard good things about this movie, but as soon as I heard that that is the premise, it's like, no, I'm never watching that. Yeah, the life. we will have a review for this up by the time you're listening to this. The embargo just lifted today. Uh, Chris reviewed it for us. He, I think he gave it a seven and a half. He liked it. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's great, but never watching it. I, I might give it a look, just you know, uh, out of curiosity. It looks pretty gross, but we'll see. <laughs> We got Hannah. How can it not be gross? No, I'm sure it is going to be very gross. <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. Half Magic coming out. Uh, that is the uh, directorial debut of Heather Graham. Written and directed by Heather Graham. Remember Heather Graham? Yeah. Heather Graham, Angela Kingsley, and Stephanie Beatrice in there. Yeah, it looks tremendously bad. Half magic. So, sorry to say, it looks very bad. Uh, it does not look good. We got the chamber. This is a, like a containment thriller in a submarine. People trapped oh, in a man. submarine. That's not good. Yeah, it might be might be worth a look. The the one guy from Force Majeure is in it. Might be interested. We have November. Yeah. This is a very odd looking black and white sort of dark fairy tale um, movie. Looks very bizarre. This, this, pre- it's like it's, it's Estonian too, isn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah. You don't get a lot of cinematic offerings from Estonia. No, and this one looks, this one looks really weird. It looks right up your alley, actually. Looks kind of gross and. <laughs> Just strange. They don't eat hair, do they? I don't think so. I'm God, not. I swear to God, if I see anyone put hair anywhere close <laughs> to their mouth, I'm fucking out. I'm turning it off. Huh? Didn't know you had such a hair eating phobia. It's so no. I can't watch that. I mean, I, I agree. It's unpleasant. I just it makes me vomit. <laughs> or I would imagine it would. Just kind of thinking about it makes me gag a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Operation Red Sea, like some kind of maybe a war movie. I'm not sure. Um, Welcome to New York. I have no idea what that is. Survivor's Guide to Prison. This is a documentary uh, about the prison system. Features a lot of a lot of sort of interesting people. Um, it, this is written and directed by Matthew Cook. He's the one who did uh, How to Make Money. What is it? How to 
make money selling drugs or how to the drug documentary. Mm, yeah. 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 I remember you talking about that. One. Uh, which was excellent. It was, yeah. How to make money selling drugs. Excellent documentary. Um, this one, this one's about the American prison system features a lot of like some people that you might expect, like Danny Trejo, Ice-T, but then you have like, like Riz is in there, Russell Simmons, Q-Tip, Busta Rhymes, and then you have Danny Glover, Patricia Arquette, Susan Sarandon, Cynthia Nixon. Uh Okay. Some people, I'm just, uh, you know, some of these people make sense. And you have like Macklemore, Chuck D, Warren G, Be Real, Tom Morello. I don't know. I, I, I might, if I, if I have time, I'll give it a look just because I like this guy's movies and uh, I don't expect to learn anything new. You know, I've seen a lot of prison docs and things and I know how fucked up our prison system is. Yeah. But it might be interesting to hear celebrities talk about it. <laughs> what, are, what are their thoughts on the prison system? Like a lot of these guys, like some of them, I, I like Danny Trejo, I, I could see, you know, he, this is a guy who was in the system and, but Cynthia Nixon, what's she bringing to the table? Yeah. What's is, is there something Nixon I don't know does? about with her? Is she, did she do time? I don't know. Kind of want to find out. Maybe that'd be that would be that'd be interesting that that's what you ended up finding out. All those people at the time. I know a lot of them did, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's see what we have on VOD this week. Today, uh, as of this recording, we're recording this on Monday. Got Traffic Stop that's coming out on HBO. That's a documentary. Then on Tuesday, the twentieth, we have Interchange, which. Uh, Looks like a very strange uh, Malaysian a sort of horror movie. Maybe it's a horror movie. I don't. I'm not even sure how to classify that. It looks looks very kind of dark and surreal and kind of interesting. We have the giant killer. I think that's a. Uh, I think it's a documentary. Uh, th- yeah, it's a giant killer. Yeah, Miami police officer David Yuzuk befriends a tiny homeless man after 15 years of friendship. The man uh, finally reveals who he really is. Basically, this this cop made a movie about a homeless man he became friends with. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'll be skipping that. Days of Power. Days of Power. Uh, Maybe a music doc? No. What is this? Days of Power through a creative allegory of indie musicians illustrates the parallels in their lives in the cruel and perilous world of puppy mills. The film follows a Swiss singer-songwriter on tour until a quick stop finds MTG and members of her band fighting for their lives. I have no idea. That one sounds all over the place. Uh, also on yeah, the 20th, we have... Yeah, it sounds, it sounds whack. We have Doomsday Device. Uh, neat, the story of bourbon. It's a, it's a bourbon documentary. A little bourbon doc. 
Thank God. Finally. Finally got that bourbon. Oh, you're a bourbon guy. Thought you'd be interested in it. Then on the 23rd, Friday, we have Half Magic. Got Seven Guardians of the Tomb. This is a uh, this is like a U.S.-Chinese co-production. No, I'm sorry. It's Chinese-Australian. Um, doesn't, doesn't look great. Sort of a, sort of a Tomb Raider-style adventure movie. We got The Chamber. We got The Cured. And we got Beast of Burden. Uh, this one with Daniel Radcliffe. Plays a kind of drug smuggler. All right. Looks like that's about it. Blu-ray this week. We got, uh, as I mentioned, The Florida Project. I would uh, definitely recommend picking that up. I'll have a review by the time you hear this up on the site. Gate 2, Return to the Nightmare. I didn't even know that there was a Gate 2. This is... What? Gate 2... Huh. Scream Factory is putting that out. Now, Gate 1 was put out. They, they did a Vestron release of, the, of Gate 1. Uh, and I guess Scream Factory is putting out Gate 2. Hmm. And let's see. Daddy's Home 2. Let's uh, probably skip that. Got Mom and Dad. That's one I would recommend. That's the crazy. That's the one with Nicolas Cage and Selma <laughs> Blair. <laughs> For the... A mysterious... uh, Definitely watch that. Yes. A mysterious thing happens that makes all parents want to murder their children. And it is batshit and tons of fun, that movie. They just let Nicolas Cage go. And it's wonderful. Oh, you saw it? I did. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about it. No. I just remembered now that you just said it. I think that was over like our long... Break. Yeah, uh, it came out. It came out the first night of Sundance because I watched it in my hotel room. And there you go. That's what happened. Yeah, there. it's it's really fun. Oh my god, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> him busting That's up. So him busting up that pool table. <laughs> him busting up the pool table. At one point, he chases his son around, barking like a dog. The sawzall. Like, it saws all. <laughs> Oh my god. Yes. Uh mom it's, and dad check check that out. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um that Days of Power movie is coming out on Blu-ray as well. Uh, a movie called Downhill. Uh that's really all I'm seeing here that it, that looks noteworthy. That Star movie yeah. is coming out. The Star, <clears throat> that Bible movie. Ooh. And uh, 1977 Scalpel is being released on Arrow. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that. What do we got on Criterion this week? We got two coming out. We got uh, An Actor's Revenge from 1963. Kani Chikawas. This is uh, a... Yeah, it's a intricate tale of betrayal and retribution that's what they're saying here on the uh, criterion website that'll also be coming out on uh, itunes as well and then you also have the hero from 1966 which is apparently a psychologically rich character study 
So, all right. Yeah. That'll also be on iTunes, the hero. I don't understand why they do that. Like, it just makes everything so complicated. Like, if Criterion is using Filmstruck now, just use Filmstruck. Like, why do I have to search a million places? Yo, I got two things to say about Filmstruck. Because I got Filmstruck this year. And number one, it's great. I love it. A lot of offerings on there between Filmstruck and the Criterion channel. Totally worth it. But two things. The website itself is a fucking nightmare. It takes forever to load. It's a nightmare to navigate. It's just, it's, it's awful. It's best if you know what you want to see and you just search it. There you go. But like just trying to navigate and trying to like discover things on your own, it's awful. Two, I mean, your film struck is the Criterion Collection. Like, why can I not watch you on something else besides my computer? Like, PlayStation 4, give me an app. Like, make an app up. What yeah, are you doing? that's crazy that they do not Get have that shit. an app. I, I, I don't know how. How do they not? Have- yeah, that's that's completely wild. I don't, I don't understand that. Did you- and the weird thing is, is they don't have an app, but yet their website is set up essentially like an app hmm yeah that's the you worst. know what i mean where it's like the thumbnails and like side scrolling uh-huh. and it's just like it, it's one title at a time you got to click that little arrow you get one fucking title and you're just like and of course it takes you five minutes to get that one title to show up oh god it just sounds like it's mobile optimized it sounds like it's meant yeah that they designed the website to be like viewable on a tablet or something Rather than just making their own app, which would make it a lot easier and better. Did you see the the Movie Pass deal that they're doing? Seven ninety five a month for Fandor and Movie Pass. Which I kind of want to do, but at the same time, because a lot of what I hear from people is like the customer service is terrible. The app doesn't work. I had it. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't currently have it. Uh, I had it early, early on, back when it first started out. It was like forty dollars a month, and I had it then, and I, I didn't really have much trouble with it. Sometimes I would have issues, uh, but for the most part, didn't give me too much trouble. I think they probably worked out a lot of the kinks. The the problem is. When something does happen, you're missing your movie because the, yeah. the way that it works is you get to the theater and then you basically check into the theater and then it activates and you can use use the card to purchase the tickets. But if something goes wrong and like it doesn't go through, then you have to contact customer service and you're going to miss the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. But in my in my experience with it early on i didn't really have but that was also you know they had i would imagine their customer base was much smaller right yeah this was like and it seems like now they're just they're fucking going nuts trying to get as many people as possible and they're just like we're just getting as many customers as possible uh if some of them don't like our service because their customer service is awful whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, and back then you had to sign up 
you had to like do basically a contract with them back in the early days. You had to like sign up for like a year or something. And then they changed a lot since then. And I mean, the price is so low now. Like I don't even understand. I, they, I they, they, they can't make, they're losing money. They're, they can't make money off of it because you're paying eight bucks a month. Uh, how much does Fandor cost on its own? Eight dollars. I mean, it's it's probably like eight or ten bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it is close to like eight or nine bucks. So, right there, you're they're already losing money off of this because the Fandor subscription alone is like eight or nine bucks, and then unlimited movie tickets. These are like standard movies too, like not IMAX or 3D, but still. Like in New York, movie tickets are like, if you want to go to a standard movie, they're like 15 bucks. So. And what, you get to see one a day? Yeah, you can see one a day. So if you got some of them cinephiles in New York. Yeah, now. To a movie every other day. Yeah. And and, I mean, there's, there's obviously some caveats. You can't, like not all theaters take it. Um, Only certain theaters. Now, back when I did it, any theater that took discover like the discover card, you could do it Um, because at the time, I don't know if it's changed, but at the time it was like a deal through discover. So basically the card that they give you, it turns into a discover card. Okay. And it, they they activate it and then they deactivate it after you get the movie ticket. (laughs) So any, any movie theater that would take discovered, you could use with, with movie pass, but Again, I don't know. It's been several years since I've had it, so I don't know if it's changed. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking about signing up. You definitely should. Being in New York. Yeah. Give me a break. I mean, I don't... Well, yeah, I mean, the Fandor subscription alone almost makes it... <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I got rid of Fandor to get filmstruck, and now I'm thinking, well, shit, I can get MoviePass and Fandor yeah. back. Yeah. That'll probably make you go to the theater more, I would imagine. I know, which is inadvertently would leave me no time with Fandor. <laughs> yeah, it's like an either-or thing. Like, <laughs> too many options. Well, that's why I got rid of Fandor when I got... Because I knew as soon as I got filmstruck, I'm like, I'm not going to have time to watch something from both of these. Like, yeah, it's just going to be pointless. I I got rid of Verve. Um, I still, I still have my, my, um, shutter subscription and I got rid of Verve and then I got direct TV now. So I have like live TV now, which, uh, man, that cut, that cut back on my productivity. <laughs> cause, cause now I can like channel surf again, you know? And it's just like, yeah. ugh. but direct, direct TV now is pretty I'm enjoying it so far. I've only had it for like a week, but they have like a pretty decent number of on-demand titles. They don't have DVR yet, but they they will be getting it soon. It's like in beta now. And it's uh it's pretty good so far. Uh Brian actually got DirecTV now as well. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse.kevin. 
If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Congressional miscarriages, emancipation proclamations, a joke. Segregation still on the low. Rebels are bombing everything, everywhere. Some little girls lost teddy bear. Candles burn, that's how we learn. Memorials, Cuban salute, Che. I'm from the Project Hallway. Recite my oratorials all day. It's suicide, we not you.